This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by musicforliturgy.com. Are you looking for a way to incorporate Gregorian chant into your parish? Check out John Gloninger's three-part chant arrangements for organ and piano at musicforliturgy.com. John's arrangements capture the serenity and flow of these timeless melodies, supporting them simply with complementary bass and inner voice melodies. Go to musicforliturgy.com for more information and to access free scores. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 205 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today. Today, Ministry Monday replays part two of its focus on making the most out of the public domain. With music buying budgets being squeezed tighter than ever, making the public domain work for you can be a huge asset as you spend the summer planning for fall repertoire. Please enjoy part two of Navigating the Public Domain, after which we will be taking a three-week break from Ministry Monday episodes as we at NPM will be celebrating our in-person and virtual conventions followed by a week of rest. We look forward to bringing you new podcast episodes in the middle of July. So this week is part two of a two-part series on the public domain. If you missed last week's episode, you can listen in anytime, wherever you get your podcasts, or of course, on Ministry Monday's website, ministrymonday.org. This week focuses on how to best use the public domain as an organist or a keyboardist, both in manuals-only pieces, full pedal works, and even arrangements best used for weddings. When I started to think about this public domain series, I thought first of my dependency on the free online tool when I was a student in my undergraduate degree. Now, like many students, I had very little money at the time, and my music performance degree required me to learn repertoire at a faster pace than my paycheck would allow. Let's admit it, music can be expensive. So, I used the public domain to my advantage as much as I could. I remember printing out scores of Vierne and Franck's music and compiling them into my own three-ring binder. 
I forgot how much of a treasure trove it was to unearth organ pieces, big and small, on the public domain. And so I called my colleague and friend, Chaz Bowers, to explore how he best uses things like IMSLP for both himself and his students at Seton Hill University in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. You see, he currently serves as director of music at St. Michael the Archangel Parish, which incorporates St. Bernard and Our Lady of Grace churches in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but he's also an adjunct professor in the organ and sacred music department at Seton Hill, along with being the dean of the Pittsburgh chapter of the American Guild of Organists until 2021. Chaz and I talked about the history of IMSLP and how it, along with other resources on the public domain, can be used for any keyboardist of any skill level. All you have to do is sit down and explore. All right, today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking to Chaz Bowers. Hey, Chaz, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Amanda? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. So for those who don't know, where do you currently minister? I work at um, St. Michael the Archangel Parish, which is St. Bernard Church and Our Lady of Grace Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm also um, the adjunct uh, professor of sacred music and university organist at Seton Hill University in Greensburg. Nice, nice. And so I asked to chat with you today because I want to talk about the public domain, how you use it, how we can use it as keyboardists and organists. But before we do, I know that you have had quite a few things going on in your church and your parish in general. So in light of COVID, how are things going these days? You know, I'm optimistic and and I feel that there's still, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel as far as COVID goes. And, you know, we're really kind of still locked down here, um, you know, for mass, the the priests and the cantor and all the other ministers and servers on the altar wear masks. Um, But we are allowed to have uh, small scolas and things like that, so long as we follow pretty strict guidelines. You know, we have to be socially distant. They have to be masked. Um, We have to limit the number based on the space. The other thing that was going on too that you and I talked about, but I hadn't heard how it went was your priest, your pastor, he he got a little bit of a promotion. So uh, what happened to uh, Father Bonner, who's now, well, Bishop Bonner? Oh, we're so excited for him. It was such a delight to work for him for uh, the last six years here at St. Bernard and the last two years at Our Lady of Grace as we put the two parishes together. Um, but he's recently, as you say, he's been named Bishop of Youngstown, and so he was ordained uh, last Tuesday, and I got the chance to go out uh, and, and be at the Mass, but also I had the opportunity to write the responsorial psalm that they used at the Mass, so that was kind of a delight, and they also used the Gloria that I had written when he was here at St. Bernard and uh, for the Mass. Did you play for that, or did you just uh, participate as a congregant? I got to play the two things that I composed. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) That's neat. That's really cool. As we kind of transition into the topic today, I asked to talk to you about the public domain. So public domain, this is the second week on Ministry Monday that we're talking about it. But today we're going to talk a little bit from an organist perspective. You and I are both organists by training and of course by, by career as well. So IMSLP is going to be the majority of what we talk about today. So IMSLP, public domain website, what do you use it for? 
Well, the public domain, you know, website for, for IMSLP is really a, a phenomenal thing. I didn't realize how much was on it when I first um, started to look into it to prepare for this. And, you know, there's over 550,000 scores, <laughs> you know, 170,000, 73,000 pieces, you know, by over 21,000 composers. I mean, wow. that's so much. Mm -hmm. So I, one of the things I really like to use it for is when I'm looking for pieces for students and maybe they're things that I don't have right there in the organ lesson, you know, we can pull them up on an iPad or even on a phone um, and just take a look at them. We can, I can also share a score with them if, you know, if they're waiting for the, for the mail to come through um, and to get a piece shipped to them. Um, it's the same kind of thing. We can take the, they can at least start and begin to look at the IMSLP edition. The other thing that I like to use it for is I often assign them a piece of the week and I like them to you know, kind of learn a new piece each week, especially the more advanced players. So they can get these scores instantly. They don't have to wait for the mail to come. But I think probably the thing I use it the most for is, is, is when students are playing Bach or when they're playing something that's published in many different editions, even if they're playing from a printed score, a lot of times we'll take the IMSLP score and we can compare like phrasings, we can compare hand divisions, pedaling, some of them are even edited a little bit so they can get some ideas for different fingerings or different different pedalings that they could use. IMSLP, what do you know about the history of the website in general? It was launched um, in February of 2006, I believe. It stands for the International Music Score Library Project, um, but it's also known as the Petrucci Library Project. Um, and it's interesting that that designation uh, comes from the name of the first publisher of a printed book of music in movable type. And that was in 1501. The book was entitled Harmonicae Musicae's Odecaton. And it was uh, published by Ottoviano Petrucci. Um, and at that time, I thought this was interesting too, just since we're you know looking at this from kind of a ministry profile, that Gregorian chant had been uh, able to be printed in movable type since 1470, but it was in 1501 that the first book of, of, of you know, printed music as we would know it today that was printed. And on their website, you know, if you go at the very top, you'll see their icon or their, their, their logo, but a little bit farther down the page, you'll notice it says IMSLP behind it is this beautiful image. And that image is kind of a, you know, kind of a watermark, if you would, is actually an image taken from the back of the first printed book in 1501 of music. So it's kind of kind of a neat tie-in that they have going on there. And now 500 some years later, it is this massive storage place for all of these different pieces of music and different arrangements. So I don't, I'm, I'm sure they didn't expect that whenever they, they created the first book with movable type in 1500. <laughs> I know, isn't it amazing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you can do on the public domain and also how to make it work for you. So you, when you go to look for music, how do you best search or explore IMSLP? A lot of times, unfortunately, I kind of have like a composer in mind that I'm looking for, um, which if you, if you already have pieces that you like of a certain composer, a lot of times, especially, you know, if they're older than 50 or 70 years, um, 50 years, I believe here in the United States, based on the publication date, and I think it's 70 years in Europe, that you, you can search by a composer that you already know. And so often I'm starting at that point. 
But sometimes it's kind of fun just to go and search for things you've never seen before. And sometimes those are the best pieces, you know, the piece that you play that no one else plays. So a lot of times I search by, um, you know, composer or arranger. You can also try to search by, you know, instrument. Like if you just wanted to go on and search just for organ, you can type in organ and you can, and you can search for organ, organ plus different instruments. So if you're looking for like organ plus brass, you can find some pieces on there. Even organ plus, let's say brass quintet, quartet, um, or you can find pieces for two organs. They even had pieces for organ four hands, organ plus harpsichord, organ plus piano. Um, I think there was even the organ designation, organ left hand was one. <laughs> I didn't well, get too far into that one though. You, you'd be able to turn the page very easily if it was organ yeah. left hand. <laughs> So in terms of searching, in terms of searching, it probably is good or bad to try and search by season. Because I know, and the reason that I mentioned that to you is because on part one of this series, we talked about actually how on CPDL you can search by season. So what about IMSLP? I couldn't find a way to do that. I did look for a while to do it, but it, it didn't... Um work for me. But one of the things that I often do is I might search for a specific um, hymn tune. Like if, if you're going to play, a, let's say it's Pentecost and, and you want to play something on the Vene Creator, you could, you could try searching IMSLP for Vene Creator and then you could, you could narrow the search just to search for organ. Um, and you would be able to find organ settings or an Advent Chorale or a Christmas Chorale. Let's say you wanted to search for Indulce Jubilo. Um, that might be another way. A lot of times, um, another thing I might use is I, I look on Cantica Nova, um, and Cantica Nova, um, which is kind of produced by um, Gary Pancala, you can see, he gives not only like liturgical liturgical um, norms for like the properties of the day, he also gives musical suggestions, much like NPM, but his also gives organ suggestions. So like if you're looking for um, organ pieces. Um, a lot of times you can look on his website and he'll give you what he would recommend. And it's usually a pretty long list. And a lot of them are available in, in the public domain. So you might want to check that out too. And can you say that website name again too, just so we can find it later? Cantica Nova. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. So moving on, one of the things that I personally like about what you just said too, is you mentioned that there are many different arrangements and orchestrations, if you will, found for especially keyboard instruments on IMSLP. Have you found any specific resources for manuals only? If you have a, someone who's listening who maybe wants to play the organ or is, but isn't playing much pedal lately. That was a little bit trickier. I was surprised. I expected with all of the different ways that you can search that you couldn't search when you could search for just organ left hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I, I couldn't find a way to search for manuals alone. But, you know, the organ is kind of interesting because early organ music was really limited as, in most countries, except for kind of North Germany, as far as pedal boards go. They were often shorter pedal boards and they had a smaller um, pedal compass, meaning less notes. So they're either less involved or sometimes almost non-existent. So if you look at early music, a lot of times, um, you know, you can find things that, um, that you, you can either omit the pedal part or have very simple pedal parts. I'm thinking about, you know, even Bach had dozens of pieces that were really manuals only. And, and the same with Buxtehude, Hockelbell, 
um, Bruns, you know, so many of those um, German composers as well had added so many. Um, and when we think about the French classic, you know, the, it was really the French Baroque period. You know, Couperin had the mass for the convents, um, which was a little bit simpler, you know, no pedal part, and the mass for the parishes, which had a pedal part, but I, I believe it's, it's, it's also very, very simple. And, you know, even Clarenbeau, you know, many of his organ works, no pedal part. Um, if you go a little bit later too, you might want to look up Cesar Franck's Le Organiste, which you could play on the organ or even on the harmonium, um, as well as Edward Elgar's 11 Vesper Voluntaries. There's so many, you know, Oxford, if, if, if you're kind of, if, if that's none of that's really familiar to you, Oxford publishes two wonderful books. You, they're not available on MSLP, I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but worth mentioning of all music for manuals only. And it, it kind of from all different times. And you and I mentioned before we started recording, you and I love those Oxford books. Like I, I keep them in my car because I think they, there's a set for manuals only and manual and pedal and they go by level. And so I have like level one and two with me at all times, because if I need something quick, quick prelude, quick postlude, maybe I need a little interlude at communion. It is, they're, they're so handy. Yeah, they're great for someone who, who plays piano, who's come to the organ for the first time who you know, kind of wants to get used to it without having to worry about their feet. And I think that they're also even, even more advanced organists who have to play for daily masses or things throughout the week. They're perfect for those preludes and postludes that you can kind of pull out pretty quick. Right, exactly, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about something else that we in a pre-COVID world maybe see more than now, but I think it's good and it bears repeating. Let's talk about weddings. So do you see IMSLP as a good resource for weddings? And if so, why? I think it actually is. First of all, I mean, you know, I mean, we've all played the Canon and D. Um, so I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember <laughs> my undergraduate teacher actually did a workshop called Can the Canon. And it was, it was, I think, 15 or 20 other processionals you might think about using for weddings, you know. And mm -hmm. so, but anyway, um, you know, I, I think it is, first of all, you can search out some things that, you know, if let's say, like, let's say if you want to search for Jeremiah Clark, um, because you like the trumpet tune, you know, you, you can find other ones that are very similar. Many times these people wrote things that were, that, that, that kind of mirror each other. I just found for Christmas, a wonderful March in C by Henry Purcell that we orchestrated for, you know, one trumpet and, and, and strings, you know, you know, and so you can always find some neat new things that you never really knew about, even by composers that you do know about. And I think also what else is nice about it, you can get recordings from there. So if you were looking for, you know, to send your bride a recording of, of the trumpet tune or Yezu Joy of Mansa Zion, you could, you could go on there and you could use these recordings to send to them. The recordings are also, you know, public domain here. That's right. And a lot of them are very high quality. Yeah, everything on IMSOP, it just keeps getting better and better and better because it's mm -hmm. constantly revised and, and, and reworked. Mm -hmm. My last main question is, I know that as someone who's used the public domain, especially when we were in school and we had like no money and we wanted to learn new pieces, I was using IMSOP a lot. I was using the public domain a lot and I found that I had like a couple of pieces that I just, for some reason, I always played the public domain version for. They just were like my standard, my go-to 
uh, versions, editions. So do you have any pieces like that too? Well, it's so funny you mentioned that because I think a lot of times the edition you learn a piece from is the edition you always think about. And you, yes. you're teaching that piece to someone else. A lot of times, you know, it's kind of hard to teach from it. You, and even the way the pages are laid out, you know, you, you find yourself a little bit confused, and, you know, and so you always like to use that edition. And sometimes I find that even if it's not a good edition, a good edition, I still feel the same way about it. <laughs> Um, but it's so funny. I think I first learned this, it, it, this little preludium in E minor of Georg Bohm from the IMSLP edition. Um, and, and it's so funny. I always recommend students use that edition for that. Other Bohm pieces, then I would, I would send them to the Baron writer or whatever. But for that, I always send them to that. I don't know why that that is. But I like that. It, I like how it's laid out. And, and maybe, maybe that's taboo to say. I don't know. But um, I like the layout of it. And I, and I think it's a very nice, nice printing of it. Mm -hmm. You know, one that I, for some reason, also always cling to, um, that's where I learned Franck's Prelude Fugue and Variation, believe it or oh, not. Wow. Yeah, and so that's always the, that's the addition that I always look at for that too. The other thing I do a lot when I teach, and I, I think probably one of the things I use IMSLP quite a lot for is to look at the Bach manuscripts. I mm -hmm. love to have students be able to go on there if they're playing an Oracle uh, Buchline uh, Chorale Prelude, they can go on and they can they can see the work in Bach's original hand. You know, everything we're playing is an edition. Even even the newest edition is still an edition, and it's not the same as looking at it like that. And it's just fascinating to see in his original hand. We we said that too in the first episode of the public domain series that even for CPDL and choral music, sometimes you can find manuscripts in the original writing. Yeah. It's fascinating to see and to be able to study those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as we wrap up, do you have any more closing thoughts or any other things you would want people to know when it comes to accessing the public domain, especially if maybe they're just trying it for the first time? I think it's, it's I, I wish them the best of luck. You know, every time I go on, it's kind of a black hole and I get lost for a few hours. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a wonderful resource to be able to have and, um, to be able to use, you know, technology, even, you know, we're on here on a, on a podcast, but technology is so important in our ministry. You know, we share YouTube videos with our choirs and rehearsal tracks with our cantors. We create worship aids. So many of us now are having Zoom rehearsals and, um, and, and we're even learning to live stream now. And so, you know, we're doing all these amazing things, but many of them require technology. And, and when we can use them, it, those tools are just another tool we have in our toolbox. And I think that that's the same thing with this. Um, IMSLP is a great resource and uh, just to have access to all of those things. And so I wish everyone the best with it. And I encourage you to take some time and try to find something new that you've never played before. The last thing I wanna to ask too, and I, I totally forgot to until now is, before we started recording, you and I were talking about the fact that IMSLP isn't necessarily just for composers who have, well, for lack of a better term, who have died. <laughs> like, you know, it's not necessarily just for Baroque music and things that are in the public domain due to their duration of time. There are some modern, like new composers that choose to put their music on the public domain because then it gets more exposure for them and provides, you know, more people to find out about their work. Um, are there any in particular that people could search for that have works that you like on the public domain that are maybe new composers? Yeah, you know what, one of our, one of my friends here in Pittsburgh is Ben Cornelius Bates. And I looked and he has 17 pieces 
Okay. on um, IMSLP and two arrangements. So I recommend you uh, check him out. Also, Carson Kuhlman, I noticed, had a, quite a few works um, on IMSLP, as did Carlotta Ferrari. You know, and so I was, I tried to, I was trying to find some unique ones, and that's also a rabbit hole. You can, you can search for modern composer, you know, the people that are living, and you can find so many. And it's due to what's the Creative Commons license that they choose to, you know, not deal with a publisher, but just be able to share their work. So it's really a gift to us that we can go on and we can that we can have access to that. I think with all of these things in mind, whether we choose to uh, learn music that's several hundred years old or maybe just if it's a few years old, I think there's really no excuse for us to not take this time and just reach you know outside our comfort zone and learn something new right now. I agree totally. I remember a few years ago we did a workshop in the AGO actually two workshops, one in the Seton Hill AGO and one here in Greensburg, or in, in Greensburg and then one here in Pittsburgh. And that um, one of my students played a piece by Florence Price. Florence Price was the first black female composer to have a symphony performed by a major American orchestra. And she played this adoration by Florence Price. And you know, now I've heard that piece probably 25 or 30 times. It's made its rounds all through Greensburg and all through Pittsburgh and beyond. <laughs> I hear it everywhere now, but we first heard it um, played actually by Charles Callahan. And then, you know, and we found it on IMSLP and, and then and then now it's everyone's playing it. <laughs> now I want to go learn it. Go ahead. <laughs> For more examples of public domain use, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Gift of Finest Wheat was produced by GIA Publications, and our theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's all for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.